welcome to everybody. Um, I mean, we say it every week, but whether you're here in the sanctuary or, or on Zoom, it's lovely to be together on this beautiful sunny day to, to worship God. Um, I, haven't, I personally haven't been asked to give any notices, but I know that there's something that Mark, uh, Martin wants to, yes. to share. Morning, all. Good to see you. Um, Janine needs your help. Um, in fact, we all need your help because uh, in two weeks, in two weeks' time, we have we are. Um, it is the midsummer event down in the park, and uh, as part of that, as we always do, we are we are running uh, a cafe all day, and uh, we need your support and help, please. So um, we need especially help for um, serving teas and coffees and cake through the day. We also need help with baking. Um, so next door in the, in the lounge is a sign-up list on an easel. It's near the, the kitchen hatch there. So if you're able to help, please do sign up, um, even if you can only do an hour or whatever, just, just sign up and uh, we, need, we need your help. That's for the midsummer event uh, in two weeks' time on the Saturday, the 17th. So please get involved and support that. Um, we need your help. And the other, the other notice really is uh, tonight there's a prayer meeting at six o'clock. Um, we, we really value prayer here. Prayer is of the highest importance to us as a church because that's how we see God's presence. That's how we see real change and transformation come to our church. So the sun's out today. So it's kind of one of those tests of how committed you are to the prayer meeting as whether you choose the garden over the prayer meeting. But uh, it's... Yeah, try and be here. It's just an hour from six till seven tonight to pray, to seek God together and to, uh, to, to pray together, which is one of our values, one of our priorities as a church is to seek God together. So make that an absolute priority tonight. And also the prayer meeting is on again, open to everybody at 9.30 tomorrow morning, as is Coffee Stop. Thank you. Well, we thought only last week about uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit um, at, at Pentecost. So I'm, I'm going to, to begin by, by praying. Father God, we thank you for that promise that you made to pour out your Holy Spirit on, on all your people. And we ask this morning, Lord, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us in this place here and now this morning as we come together to worship our God, to worship Jesus, to hear from you, but to give you the praise that, that you deserve. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill each one of us and draw from us the, the praise, the praise, maybe pray in, or praise in spirit and in truth. May we worship that way, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit with us here this morning. Amen. <coughs> Well, Martin's going to be um, talking later about God most faithful, and we do have a very faithful God. And of course, if you believe that uh, God is, is faithful, supremely faithful, then you trust in him, don't you? Um, he is the only one in whom we can trust. And so let's, let's bring our worship now to, to our faithful God, the God um, that we can trust with, with everything.
prayed at the beginning for the Holy Spirit to draw from us worship. And so I, I just invite you now, as the Spirit leads you, to speak out, to sing out words of worship and praise and adoration to our God. was a smaller tent called the Holies of Holies, containing the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest was allowed to enter through the veil of this sacred place, and then only once a year. Since the faithful Jesus was crucified and resurrected, the veil was destroyed, and now we have a faithful high priest, together with the Father in heaven, who we can speak to every day of the year. Baptisms, baptisms in water could make you a member of his club lasting for all of your lifetime and also the time after. Bless your name, Lord. our grief and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken at here and smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of all of us he was oppressed and he was afflicted Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that you are the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We stand here today, Jesus, acquitted. We stand as those declared righteous in Christ. We thank you, Jesus, that there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus because, Jesus, you paid the penalty for our sin when you died on the cross. A once and for all perfect sacrifice. Lord, we're in awe and wonder, Jesus, that your blood would, should be shed for my sin. Lord, you paid the wages of my sin, which was death, as my substitute in place of me, Lord, you died and paid the wages of sin for me. Lord, I'm in awe and wonder again, and I bow the knee, Jesus, with thanks that you are the suffering servant, but you're also the king, the king, the Messiah, God's chosen king who came to die that we might live through your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We honor you today for your perfect sacrifice. Praise you, Jesus. Amen.
Holy Spirit, if there is anyone here who doubts your faithfulness, who doubts your love, who doubts your ability to deal with anything, then Holy Spirit, would you reveal the truth to them, convict them that our God is faithful, our God is all loving, our God is all powerful, and there's nothing he can't do. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we've got a reasonable spread of ages, but not quite the spread of ages that I was hoping we might have this morning <laughs> um, for our all-age talk, but never mind. Um, I'm going to put this on. I think that's on. Uh, right. I was going to ask for some volunteers. So I could still ask for some volunteers, I think. <laughs> Somebody over here is nodding because he knows what's under that cough. <laughs> right, excuse me. I, yeah, just getting that on. Um, right, yeah, so I was going to ask for some volunteers to come up. Um, am I going to get any volunteers? Oh, Sarah's coming up. Well done. Well done. Oh, and Carol. Yeah. Go on then, you can come up. <laughs> right.
Okay, now, under here I've got something that, well, I consider a treat. And I give you my word that each one of you can have one of what's in this, this box. Thank you. Yeah, right. But you've got to wait. You're not going to get it right now. Okay, you're not good at waiting. Okay, right. Yeah, I didn't tell you this bit, did I? Um, yeah, you have to wait. So I'm just going to start this. Um, well, we'll make it easy. 30 seconds? How does that sound? Yeah. But you have to wait in quiet, right, very still. Just wait. And the rest of you can wait as well. Are we ready? Go. That was thirty. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yes. How did you find the waiting? Really hard. Hard. Yeah, not very good at waking. Tricky. Yeah. But I gave you my word, did I not? I did. So. What a treat! How many can I have? Go on then. You can have two. You can have two each. Thank you so much. I'm glad I waited. And you can have two. Thank you. And you can have two. Because I gave you my word, didn't I, that I would let you have it after the time. Yeah. So, 30 seconds, you said it seemed a long time. It did, didn't it? How about if I'd said half an hour? Might have had a cup of tea. No, might have had a cup of tea. Yeah. Two hours? Two hours? Yeah, if I'd said, well, yeah. wait till this time tomorrow, or this time next week. Or, I will come back. Or this time next year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how would that waiting have seemed, do you think? Very, very, very. I might have very, forgotten. You might have forgotten. Yeah, might have forgotten. Right, yeah. So, and you might well have, yeah, thought that I'd forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine if hundreds of years ago, say, I don't know, 800 years ago, God had made a promise to your family. So your parents have said to you, God made us a promise. 800 years ago that he was going to do something marvelous and he was going to send somebody to save us and you know that because your parents told you and they know that because their grandparents told them and they know that because they're great your great grandparents and great 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 and so on and you were still waiting 800 years later how do you think you'd feel You'd be dead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well they, they, they would, they would. Yeah, the promise was eight. You're still here. Yeah, yeah, you're, you've been, yeah. You haven't been waiting for 800 years, but your family has. Yeah, yeah. How do you think you'd feel then? Confused? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Feel forgotten. Forgotten, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. Because God made them a promise that he would send somebody to save them. And they were still waiting hundreds and hundreds of years later until one day in a little synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus stood up and he took the scroll and he unrolled it and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed 
and announced that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. And that was the promise that had been made hundreds of years ago. And then Jesus said to them, what you've just heard me read has come true today. And of course, he was telling them that he is the one that they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. He was saying, I am the one that God promised to send you all of those years ago to save you. And you see, God always keeps his word to us, even if we have to wait for what he's promised to happen, even if we think he's forgotten us, even if we feel abandoned, even if we feel confused, God is still faithful. He has promised. You only have to read his word, the Bible, to come across loads and loads of promises, and he's never broken one of them. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He said, those who know you, Lord, this, of course, this is words inspired by God. Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. And so, yeah, sometimes, as I said earlier, maybe we, we feel, well, God isn't faithful. He doesn't keep his promises. One way that we can trust him, if you like, is by knowing him. And we know him by reading his word, by spending time in his presence, by looking at the, just the way he's kept his promises, by looking back perhaps at our own lives or the testimony of others to see how faithful God is. And so, yes, we might have to wait. We might have to wait longer than, than we think is, is reasonable, but God always keeps his promises and we do have to wait. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, right. So we, we don't have any children out to, or to, to go out to Sparks today. Um, could we take up the offering, please? Father God, we just thank you for that promise that you made, that you would send Jesus to save us, and you kept that promise, and you keep all of your promises. And Lord, we thank you that you are the great provider. Thank you that you provide for us in our need. And we ask, Lord, that you would receive this offering, that you would bless it, that you would um, just enable us to use it in the way you want it to be used. Amen. We're going to have a, a time of intercessory prayer now, um, but we're, um, I think, to, to try and um, help us focus <laughs> on some of the mission opportunities that we have in, in the church, mission organizations that we support. Um, once a month, as part of our intercessory prayer, we're going to uh, focus on um, some aspect of, of mission. And uh, Inika would normally say something about this, I think, but she's, she's not actually here today. Um, she's on the Isle of Wight, so I hope she's having a good time. Um, so what we're going to do now is just see a very short video clip, just reminding us of the work of, 
of tier fund. And then there are a few prayer points. And after that, I'm going to suggest that, um, you know, a few of us pray for the work of tier fund, and then we can lead into a time of more general intercessory prayer. Poverty is not God's plan. God wants people to live life abundantly. Poverty strips people of this opportunity, but God has a restoration plan and the church is at the heart of it. Jesus calls us to join with him in restoring justice by defending and equipping the marginalized and oppressed. Together as the church, we are called to pray and to help bring an end to extreme poverty. And we can. At Tear Fund, we believe that poverty is a consequence of four broken relationships. God and us, us and each other, us and ourselves, and us and creation. As those relationships are healed, people are lifted out of spiritual and material poverty. Working through the local church, using Bible-based training, we equip people to lift themselves out of poverty and realize their God-given potential. When unjust policies impact vulnerable communities, we campaign for change. When disaster strikes, we're there. We work through a global network of partners so that hope, justice, and dignity are restored. And we've seen extraordinary success. In more than 50 years, thanks to our generous supporters, we've equipped more than 25,000 churches to become centers of transformation. Since 2006, 47 million lives have been transformed through our community projects. Working with our partners, we've seen people on the brink of disaster become more resilient, self-sufficient and empowered, able to boldly speak up for their rights. God wants us as churches and individuals to play our part in building His kingdom on earth. By praying, taking action and giving, you can join the global church to create a world free from extreme poverty. And then there are a couple of prayer points that um, Inika has passed on uh, from Tear Fund. Not sure if you could see these. I pray for unity within the church in Iraq and that this unity would be an example of Christian love and provision, even in the most difficult times. Pray for Uganda's Karamoja region, where hundreds of people have died due to a famine. Many families in Karamoja face critical food insecurity, resulting from two seasons of crop failure and erratic rainfall. Pray for Tear Fund's partners as they respond and for relief for those affected. Um, as I say, those are um, prayer points that Tear Fund have, have issued um, in this last week or so. So could I invite a few people to, to pray out prayers for Tear Fund? Well, we thank you for the reminder to pray for famine in Africa, Lord. So much not in the news at the moment, Lord. And uh, Lord, thank you for, for this reminder. And Lord, we, we pray particularly for this Karamoja region where there's famine in uh, Uganda, Lord, but thank you that Tear Fund are working there. Jesus just reminded that you fed the hungry and uh, distributed to food to hungry people. And so, Lord, we pray for a blessing on the on the gifts 
and the aid and the food that uh, Tear Fund are handling. Lord, we pray that you'll, you would bless uh, those resources and put into the hands of hungry men and women and children food that they need to sustain them, Lord. Medical supplies, uh, shelter, Lord, whatever they need, water. Lord, we just pray that you abundantly bless the work of uh, Tear Fund in, in Africa and in Uganda, where there is famine, Lord. May your provision, may your grace, may your resources abound to meet the needs of those who need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Persecuting Christians, murdering Christians. And Lord, we know that in the countries where Christians are persecuted, there's very little distinction as to whether you're a Baptist or you're a Roman Catholic. You're a Christian. And that, that's what counts. And so, Lord, we, we pray that as you rebuild your church in that land, as people who have been displaced return to their villages, rebuild their homes, rebuild their churches, that you would draw them together. They, they share one father, one salvation. And we pray that... <sighs> their return lord would would show to those around them that they have something special something unique and that this would be would be a witness to those who don't yet know you but father we just thank you for their courage for their faithfulness um it puts us to shame lord we we keep quiet so easily and many of them were willing to put their lives on the line. And so we just commit this, this church to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Uganda and the Karamoja region, that you'll give the people and the leaders their visions and dreams and divine inspiration, that they will um, learn about you, Jesus, and that they will learn about your ways, and that you give them wisdom and insight how to pray how to take authority over the land that they're in for your kingdom, Lord. And I just pray that they will not suffer anymore in Jesus' name. They won't suffer any more hardship in the name of Jesus. We just pray that there will be an abundance of blessing like you pour, like you pour out on us, Lord. We just pray that you continue to pour it out on them. And if there's anything that's blocking that blessing, Lord, we just ask you to reveal it, that we can pray, that they can pray and that all of these blockages will be removed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that your 
mercies are new every morning, that your grace abounds, Lord. So we just pray that over these regions in Africa and also in Iraq as well, Lord, for the church there, that, that you just supernaturally rescue and save Christians from horrible um, places and, and prisons and all sorts, Lord. I thank you that you know what's going on even though we don't know you know what's going on in every corner in every street in every place in every home and we just ask you lord to come with your intervention and i thank you jesus that you are doing miracles and we just pray that you continue to do more miracles lord that you continue to protect your children we pray protection over them and we declare no weapon formed against them will prosper in the name of Jesus. We declare that over them. And we declare a hedge of protection around them and the blood of Jesus over them. And I pray as well that they will continue to receive insight and knowledge and understanding. They will be able to get resource and materials to learn about you, to grow in faith, to grow in wisdom, to grow in relationship with you, Lord. We just pray that over both in Africa and in Iraq in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we know that these are only two of the many countries in which Tear Fund is, is working. And so we do ask for a blessing, Lord, on, on their work, wherever it's taking place, Lord, that um, the Holy Spirit would work through them in, in power, wherever there is a need. And now I'd just invite you to speak out prayers of, of petition for, for other um, other people, other situations, perhaps closer to home, perhaps something else that's happening elsewhere in the world. Lord, we lift um, Eve uh, before you today. Yes, and Lord, uh, Lord she's uh, had this uh, stoma fitted. And uh, Lord, I know that uh, tomorrow that uh, she will be having a, a meeting with the uh, consultant as to the plan moving forward. So, Lord, we pray for wisdom and discernment for, for the consultants, the doctors there, the team. Lord, as they consider what sort of support the family need, whether, whether that should be at home or in, a, in another place. Lord, but in the meantime, I pray for Eve, who's in a considerable amount of pain following the surgery. Lord, for a healing um, and for a diminishing of the pain. And, Lord, that, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, that Lord, when she comes out of hospital, Lord, we know that the stoma thing will be a, a massive disruption and a massive inconvenience. But Lord, we pray that whatever support and care the family receive, that it would be the right support that would enable them, Lord, to be able to feel supported and, and helped and cared for and be able to not, not be up all night or worrying, Lord, but to be able to continue with their work and their lives. So Father, for, for Eve at this time, who's obviously frustrated, having been in hospital for so long, we pray, Father, for a sense of your peace, particularly on this, the Lord's day. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make her aware that you are with her uh, there in her hospital bed, and that, Lord, you would continue to bless her and bring wholeness and healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we also just want to pray for the dreadful accident that happened in India, yes. costing so many lives yes. and affecting so many lives and families, Lord. Um, we 
do not know where to begin with our prayers, but Father, we offer that whole situation to you and pray that you would be with the emergency services as they seek to recover the situation and uh, pray for the, all those families that have been affected. So, so many families, Lord, so many life-changing injuries. And Father, we, we just ask that you would be in that situation uh, and that you would somehow restore some sense of peace uh, and that you would continue to heal those affected. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for all those um, affected by the, the, the deaths of the two children in Bournemouth, in the sea, Lord, just, so, just enjoying holidays and, and for whatever, however, whatever happened and those that were injured. Lord, we just pray that you would be arms of comfort although around their families, Lord, and those that witnessed the tragedy and were involved in it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The passage that Martin is going to be speaking on this morning is from Hebrews, chapter 10, from verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Martin. We thank you for um, being with him in his preparation. And we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will also be with us as we hear what you have to say to us through through this word through martin and we've said it many times lord but we want to be doers of the word not just hearers and so would you enable us to be obedient to what you are saying to us this morning amen thank you alison so god most faithful um, God is perfectly faithful. He always 
does what he promises he's going to do. Um, the seasons bear witness to that. Um, as surely as summer follows spring, um, so God is utterly reliable and trustworthy. As surely as the sun rises and sets, so is God reliable and faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Um, when God makes a promise, he fulfills it. Um, do you remember the beautiful rainbow um, on the Queen's funeral, uh, just over the castle? And uh, God promised never to flood the earth again and destroy creation. And he set a rainbow in the sky as a promise of his faithfulness. God said to Abraham, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky, and I'll make you into a great nation. And uh, even though Abraham and Sarah were old, their descendants did form the 12 tribes of Israel. And God promised to Abraham a land, a land of Canaan. And under Joshua, the Israelites settled in the land. And God promised through the prophets in the Old Testament a Messiah King who would come to the world and save the people from their sins, reconcile people to God. And of course, we see that fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the suffering servant who died on the cross to reconcile us to God. So all of the Old Testament promises point towards Jesus, don't they? So much so that Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? All the promises of God are fulfilled and completed and perfected in Christ. The letter to the Hebrews really sums up this theme of God's faithfulness in Christ. The message of Hebrews is because Christ was perfectly faithful in his life and death and resurrection, we as believers have the resources of heaven available to us so we too can run the race to the end and be faithful. We can be faithful because Christ was perfectly faithful. And Hebrews tells us that Christ is faithful in the past, the present, and the future. Uh, I love that um, verse in Hebrews that just says, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Utterly trustworthy, utterly reliable, utterly faithful. Past, present, future. So Jesus has been faithful in the past. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And uh, to illustrate this, the writer of Hebrews draws on the imagery of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Um, one of the reasons I encourage people to use Bible reading apps that use a psalm, an Old Testament, and a New Testament is it's very hard to understand the New Testament. Well, it's impossible to understand the New Testament without reading the Old Testament. You won't understand the book of Hebrews unless you read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. You, you just won't get it. It won't mean anything to you. So if you're happy, we're going to do a little bit of work on the background of the tabernacle. Is that okay? Because you cannot understand this passage without it. And it'll give you a bigger vision of Christ and all that he's done for you. 
So don't be afraid of the Old Testament. Embrace it. Go with it. So the writer to the Hebrews uses this language about the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Um, here's a picture. Um, the number of Israelites that came out of Egypt numbered 600, over 600,000. That's a lot of people. And they, and they camped in the desert as they traveled through the desert. They had all of their tents arranged around the central tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And there's a picture there of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, where God would come down in the presence of a fiery, cloudy pillar and rest on the tabernacle. And when the people saw the fiery pillar of cloud over the tabernacle, they knew that God was present among his people. Whenever the fiery, cloudy pillar lifted, that was time for them to pack up the camp and follow the cloud. You know, we complain, don't we, about the, all the work that goes into the midsummer event in two weeks' time, where we have to pack up tents and we have to get them out, set them up, and then pack them away again at the end of the day. Can you imagine doing this lot? Can you imagine moving the tabernacle and all the gold altars and the Ark of the Covenant and the lampstands and the bread of the presence and all the bowls and all the implements. Can you imagine moving that lot? Every time the cloud moves off, you've got to go and you've got to follow the cloud because that's God's presence. So we shouldn't complain, really, should we? <laughs> there were thousands and thousands of, um, there were over 8,000 Levites who had the job of carrying all this stuff, right? Uh, the Jebusites and the Kohathites and the Mirrorites. I know this because I'm doing it with Nicky Gumbel at the moment. So uh, <laughs> I just did this this morning. It's quite handy. It ties in, you see. They all had to ca carry the camp with them. The tent of meeting was the place where God's presence and glory would come down and Aaron and Moses would hear from God and they would get instructions for the people. Here's a picture of the layout of the temple. So um, on the left-hand side, you've got the, ho the, the holy place. You can see the lamp stand there. You can see the, the altar and, uh, with the poles for carrying it. And then to, there's a curtain that divides the holy place from the most holy place. Um, and only the high priest once a year could go into the most holy place on the right there. And you can see the glory cloud of God is resting on the... Um, uh, what's the word? Help me here. Ark of the Covenant. Thank you. Just checking you were listening. <laughs> the, <laughs> the glory cloud is resting on the Ark of the Covenant, which is a gold box with a gold lid called the mercy seat, where God's presence would come down and rest. And only Aaron and Moses, once a year on the Day of Atonement, could go in there and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Nobody else could go in there, and they could only go in once a year. And here's a picture of the curtain that separates the uh, most holy place, where the um, Ark of the Covenant is, from the holy place. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, you had the two stones with the Ten Commandments on. You had the bread of the presence, the manna that was given to the Israelites in the wilderness. And you had Aaron's staff, all contained in the Ark of the Covenant. And the two winged cherubim, the angels, facing each other over the mercy seat, the gold top of the Ark of the Covenant. 
and God's presence would come down on the mercy seat and rest there and God would speak with Moses and Aaron as like a friend. The reason the curtain was, there's the ark, the reason the curtain was there was that it was a, it was a barrier, it was a separation between God and his people. And it's a reminder that only the high priest once a year could go into the most holy place. The rest of the time there was a barrier there. This was too holy for them to go in. They would die if they went in on a different day. Why all of these um, regulations and compartments and curtains and rituals? I mean, after all, the high priests themselves had to wash themselves clean. They had to put on special robes and they had to offer sacrifices for themselves, for their own sin and for the sins of the people. A life had to be given. A life had to be given up, symbolized by blood being sprinkled on the mercy seat and on the, on the altar. A life had to be given up because people could not live in the presence of God and live. Imagine if you had a goldfish and you decided that you were going to test if the goldfish could live out of water. So you lift the goldfish out of the, the bowl and you put it in the air. It won't be long before that fish is struggling to breathe and dies, will it? The fish is not designed to live in uh, a waterless environment. We are not designed to live in a sinless environment. God is a sinless environment. We cannot survive in his presence. We would die. But instead of the priest dying or the people dying, an animal was killed, its lifeblood was shed and sprinkled on the altar and on the mercy seat as a sign that lifeblood, a life had to be given up. A life had to be substituted in place of the priests and the people so that they didn't die, but the animal died. And that's what the substitutionary day of atonement is all about. An animal was sacrificed instead of the people losing their lives. That is how pure and holy and powerful God is. We cannot be in his presence without a sacrifice being offered, without the shedding of blood. And on the day of atonement, there's the priest, the high priest, sprinkling blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant a sign that a life had to be given up, blood had to be shed and sprinkled on the mercy seat in the golden altar. This whole ritual pointed forward to the need for a better and more perfect sacrifice. You see, the writer of Hebrews says that the blood of goats and animals could not cleanse the consciences of the people. It allowed them to live in the presence of God and for God's glory to remain among them in the camp, but their, their hearts and minds were still sinful, right? The blood of a goat or a lamb or a, a bull cannot make your mind and heart new and cannot cleanse your conscience. And what Jesus did was he came and offered himself as the perfect once and for all sacrifice, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His blood was sprinkled on the altar and his blood only had to be shed once and for all because <laughs> he was the perfect sacrifice. And he was also the lamb, sorry, the great high priest who offered himself to God as the sacrifice. And because Jesus is the perfect high priest 
and the perfect sacrifice, we do not need to continue to offer animal sacrifices because he has offered himself once and for all and his blood was perfect. He has paid for our sin once and for all. Isn't that great? As Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That, temp that temple curtain or tabernacle curtain that separated the, high, the great high priest from the Holy of Holies was ripped in two. And Jesus effectively went behind the curtain, sprinkled his own blood and said to all of us, you are welcome to come into the most holy place. You can boldly and confidently approach God in prayer now. The way is open. Isn't that incredible? We don't need to offer sacrifices. We don't need to sprinkle blood because Christ's own blood was sprinkled. He has washed us clean, symbolized by baptism, right, in the water. He has sprinkled his blood over our hearts and he has given us new hearts through his sprinkling of blood. Our consciences are washed clean. There is now no guilt, no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Not only can God's presence dwell among us, God's presence can dwell in us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us because of the perfect work of Christ. This stuff just excites me. It sounds dry and you think, oh, we're wading through all these regulations. But when you look ahead to Hebrews, you see how exciting this stuff is because it enlarges your vision of who Jesus is and what he's done. But you can only see the glory and the magnitude of what Christ has done when you look back at the Old Testament sacrifice system and see how it was a pale foreshadowing of all the wonderful, perfect work that Christ would do. When Jesus declares you not guilty, you are not guilty. You see, if we carry guilt around and condemnation around, we're really saying to God, well, not sure your sacrifice was enough. Do you see? But when we realize that this was the once and for all perfect sacrifice that does away with all future sacrifices, we can say to God, I am forgiven. I am cleansed. I am made new. I have boldness, assurance, confidence to approach God in prayer because of Christ. Hallelujah. What a savior. Second, Jesus is faithful in the present. I just, I, this stuff I could, oh, just wonderful. Jesus is faithful in the present because he constantly speaks to the Father in heaven on our behalf. Do you know that Jesus right now is praying for you? Look, Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus constantly, eternally prays that you would run the race and finish and get the crown of life. Yeah, you go wrong, like me, you sin, you wander off, you fail. But Jesus is praying that you would come back and repent and keep running the race. He's praying for you right now. You see, we have been saved through the wonderful, precious blood of Christ, but we are being saved. We are being saved. We need to keep running the race. We have a part to play. We've got to get to the end of the finish tape, haven't we? 
Jesus works through the fellowship of the church to help us stay in the race, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. One of the means of grace is fellowship and worship and prayer. This is how God keeps us in the race. He uses other Christians to keep you in the race. You cannot do Christianity on the internet. You can't. Says it here in Hebrews. You can't do Christianity through a book. Wonderful though books are. There are some amazing things on the internet, by the way. Amazing resources, which I use constantly. But I cannot do my Christianity faithfully and keep in the race if it's only on the internet. Because God has given us the gift of one another to help us stay in the race. I need to kick up the pants sometimes, right? I need people to say to me, come on, lift your eyes towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Be encouraged by the promises of God. We need that in one another, don't we? We need one another to correct each other when, we, when we're not in church. For a, a, you know, We need somebody to say to us, look, I'm missing you in church. Where are you? Come back. We need you. We need your gifts. I need you to speak out in worship. I need you to pray for me. I need to see your face because you're an encouragement to me. Right? If you take a coal out of the fire, the coal goes cold. Right? We need the warmth of being around other coals to keep us hot for Jesus. You know what it's like. If you don't go to church for a while, you lose your, your heat, don't you? Lose your passion. Um, a few years ago in the marathon in London, there was this picture came up. Um, a guy helping a fellow runner. Nigel will resonate more with this than me because he's run a marathon. Um, you know, he helped his fellow runner finish the race. This is what we are called to do for one another, by the way. Come alongside those who need comfort, strengthening, correction, encouragement, ex exaltation, whatever it is, to come alongside and strengthen one another. You need to, so that's why I'm always encouraged when people come to the prayer meeting because I need to hear your prayers, right? I need to be encouraged by you. You need to be encouraged by me. We need to be encouraged by one another. Our presence at events, prayer meetings, small groups, Worship encourages one another, and especially when we share things with each other. God has not called us to run this race alone. He's called us to do it together, to spur one another on. Third, Jesus is faithful for the future. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day, capital D, approaching. All the uh, good translations will have a capital D there because it's talking about the day of judgment, the day when Jesus returns to judge the living and those who have passed on. And Jesus will gather his faithful church from the four corners, the elect from the four corners of the earth, and he will send away um, into uh, eternal judgment, away from his presence, those who have not uh, surrendered to Jesus and run the race. We need to, to remind one, one another, there is a day of judgment, a day of accountability coming, so we're to stay in the race, right? It's part of our job. Um, it's ages since I did the highway code, but here's some signs. I, 
And I, I get the aircraft one, that's easy, but some of them, I couldn't tell you what they mean. Honestly, now, I just, I just know, when I see a red triangle, I, I'm thinking, something in my brain goes, you better slow down or think about your position on the road, because there's a hazard coming, right? We need, as Christians, to remind each other that there is a day of judgment coming, and we need to be prepared, ready for that day of judgment. We need to warn one another to stay in the race and keep running, right? To not drift away, to not give up on meeting together in fellowship, to keep praying, to keep meeting, to keep encouraging and spurring one another on. These are the warning triangles that God gives to you and me as a means of grace to keep us in the race, to keep us following, to keep us faithful. We all have a tendency to drift, don't we? We, can, we all get discouraged. We all need to kick up the pants. And God gives us fellowship to warn us about the coming future day where we'll be accountable to Jesus. Have we kept the race to the end or have we drifted? This is serious stuff. And God warns about drifting through the fellowship of the believers. So don't give up meeting together. And when you meet together, bring something, be prepared for God to bring something to others for their encouragement or correction or teaching, right? Don't just come to worship or a prayer meeting or a small group and go, well, feed me then, right? Be ready to share for, with others for their building up and encouragement, right? Because God wants to work through you. It's a means of grace. Every time someone shares a scripture or a picture or a word, my heart sings because there's the body of Christ working as it should, right? The writer of Hebrews pictures the Christian life as running a long and arduous marathon race. Hebrews 12, here it is. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race set before us, marked out for us. It's not an easy journey, the Christian life. You know this. It's hard. It's a long and arduous and difficult marathon race. We need fellow competitors to keep us faithful, to lift us when we fall on the road. We need the crowds lining the streets to cheer us on. But most of all, we need to keep our eyes on the finish tape, on the prize, who is Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the, Christ, the cross. Christ has run the race and finished. He's given us all the resources of heaven so that we can run the race and finish. But we need to keep our eyes fixed on his faithfulness in the past, in the present, and for the future. We have now, the curtain of the temple has been torn in two. We have access into the very presence of God. Isn't that incredible? Every single one of us as Christians. 24-7. 24-7. God's shop is never closed for prayer, right? Always open. All the resources of heaven are ours through prayer. So Hebrews says, boldly and confidently approach God in prayer. And he will meet your needs with his mercy, grace, and help. 
You see, Jesus sympathizes with our every weakness because he was human as we are, yet was without sin because he was also fully God. Therefore, he's able to help us, strengthen us, give us grace and mercy. And the Holy Spirit lives in us, not among us, as he used to do in God's glory cloud in the camp, not, if, not among us, but in us. See, back in the day, it was only Moses and the prophets and the kings and the judges and the leaders who could, who could experience the gift of the Spirit. Today, the Holy Spirit is available to all believers. He lives in us because of the finished, complete work of Christ. We need each other to keep us running in the race. We need the Holy Spirit to give us power and strength to keep running. We need to keep our eyes on the finish line, on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I don't know about you, I want that crown of life. Yeah? I want to keep running to the end and receive that crown of life. And then I want to be in the presence of Jesus for eternity. Do you? Hallelujah. So let's encourage one another. Let's boldly approach the throne of grace in prayer. Let's look back at what Jesus has done. Let's look at him standing and interceding for us in the present. And let's look ahead to the day of judgment. That will keep us in the race. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you have been perfectly faithful. Jesus, you didn't uh, scorn the cross, but you endured the cross. You, you endured its shame and scorn for us, for me. And you've now sat down at the right hand of, of God the Father in victory. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that death is no longer um, has the victory. But death is the gateway into eternal life. Jesus, help us by your Holy Spirit to be strengthened with power so we can keep running the race. Lord, give us a vision of us each encouraging and spurring one another on towards good deeds. Lord, make us aware of people who are struggling in the race. Help us to come alongside them and encourage them to keep running the race until the very end. Jesus, give us a spirit of perseverance that we might run this race with joy through the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Martin. So if you can, uh, let's stand to sing our closing song. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. That our great high priest is at the right hand of God.
you so much for that promise, for all of your promises, Lord. Help us to just cling to you, to believe without a shadow of a doubt that you are faithful. You can be trusted in every situation, Lord. Just remind us of that day by day. You are faithful and we thank you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us, that because of you, we will never die and that one day we will be with you in, uh, for eternity. Oh, thank you. It's just so inadequate. But we do thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs>